Welcome to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, creator of Brand Builders Academy and the Amplify Accelerator. Right here on this podcast, we'll inspire you to become a bold and powerful voice in the world and claim your space with confidence. You can be bold and go against the grain to become the creative rebel you want to be. Forget average, it's time to level up. Hello, lovely. Welcome back to the podcast. Amazing to have you here. I am suffering a little bit with a chest infection when I am recording this. So if my voice sounds a little bit husky, no, I'm not trying to be sexy. Uh, <laughs> although, although, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy to sound a bit sexy for you if you like. But yeah, just not, not 100%. Anyway, today I am excited to share this interview with you. I met Emily, who is the founder of Bohemian Traders. If you are an Aussie who loves fashion, then you will most likely know this brand. I met Emily at uh, the Huddle in Orange this year, where both of us were speakers. She's such a powerhouse. She's so fun. And I really wanted to have her on the podcast. And so I know that if, you know, you love to talk fashion and we'd love to talk building brands and also just starting something that you love to do and watching it grow, then this is a great episode for you. So let me introduce you to Emily Balash. She is the director and founder of the global brand Bohemian Traders, known for their classic European cuts for the modern Bohemian. I love that. Bohemian Trader blends classic fashion forward pieces, including elevated basics with Bohemian detailing. And since their inception, their aim has been to provide size inclusive fashion basics for the modern Bohemian. She started the business in 2014, is based on the central coast of New South Wales here in Australia. They're all about being environmentally and socially responsible as a company. She is a wife. She is a mama. She works with her hubby as well. And I've just loved this, hearing her story and how she's grown the business. So I know that this is something that you're going to enjoy as well. So without further ado, I hope that you're having a fantastic break uh, when this goes live because this is for our holiday season. And so enjoy. Emily, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. You were one of the amazing connections that I made at the huddle. Um, it was just such an amazing event to meet new people. Wasn't it? I'm still living off the good vibes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. And so obviously we met there and I heard a bit about your story. And I think one of the things that I loved everybody just had a very different way of running their business. And yeah. obviously you have such a super successful business yeah. with, with Bohemian Traders. And uh, and I just really wanted to get you on to share some of your story and talk more about business as well. So you're good with that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready. So <laughs> I'm awesome. certainly no guru, but I'll do what I can. Yeah, but you know something, I love that you had a really different take on it as well. And there is no one way to do it, which I think is what we kind of saw at the huddle and we heard. And so I loved your story. So can you tell us a little bit about like how it all started? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, 
it's it's a it's, I guess it's a little bit of an interesting story in that I don't have a fashion background. I'd never worked in fashion other than in retail, you know, when I was putting myself through university and high school. Um, so I paid my dues there. <laughs> but um, who did yeah, you work was, for when you were in retail? Oh, I worked for Just Jeans. Started with Just Jeans when I was fourteen and nine months. First job, um, and then um, for that whole group. So. Um, Portman's and Jackie E and whoever else was in the group wow. at the time. Then I was with Stussy and Sports Girl and um, another brand called Rodney Clark that I don't think exists anymore. But yeah. you did them all. I did them all. Lots of years in retail. Well, I was well from the time I was fourteen to probably twenty-two. I was working in retail part time. Wow. <laughs> and so, what made yeah. you take the leap into this? Well, um, I was, you know, I was studying fine arts. So I've got a fine arts background and then eventually moved into high school visual arts teaching, which I was doing until the time that I had my first child at 26. I just turned 26. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't in education for very long, but I, you know, had had my three children and was at home on maternity leave and feeling a little restless and, um, yeah, I had been writing a personal blog for a number of years, kind of through those dark, dingy days, the early days of motherhood where it's all brain fog and postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I, you know, I was sharing my life and unknowingly building connections with a whole host of amazing women. And for me at that time, the blog was really just a support network. It was my hobby. It was my safe place. It was my kind of wine at time once the kids had gone to bed. Um, and I just built a community there and eventually out of a need for some cash for Christmas presents for my children, um, started importing some products from India and selling those through the blog under a name that I just whipped up called Bohemian Traders. So, Wow. And so how did that happen with like finding products in India? Because what year are we talking? What year was this? Oh, 2012, 13, 13, 2013, 2014. Yeah. And so how did you find like suppliers and things like that? Yeah, um, I just essentially Google search, you know, this amazing modern resource. That we yeah. Have. Um, yeah, so I literally Alibaba'd it and, um, you know, just started making connections with suppliers, you know, on a very ad hoc basis, no strategy at all. Um, yeah. And, yeah, kind of started selling those through the blog. So And yeah. so you just found it, found like it was there a certain vibe you were going for, a certain look, and you just happened to find them? Yeah, I really, I mean, I'd seen things that I'd really liked around and at the time I was really into like that boho style, you know, embellished beads and, um, you know, antique coins and and those kind of things <laughs> so it was very much in that space it was it was cool at the time yeah <laughs> it's a little over now but um yeah so that's what I was that's what I was looking for that's what I was into at the time and you know I was into like pattern clashing and stripes with the boho and and that yeah. kind of thing so that's that's what I was looking for and that's what I found amazing and so how long did you do that for where you were importing um not long to be honest I think maybe about six months I was just importing and I was making accessories myself like antique (laughs) antique um, coins on on cord necklaces and leather leather strands and that kind of thing um and you know it it took maybe six months until we realized that we had something real happening um and at that point I started because I couldn't get the product fast enough from India and you know there were 
challenges in in that process. I started designing very simple garments that were being made in China and connected with a factory there who we still work with to this very day, met their families, they've met mine. Um, So, yeah, I started designing very simple you know, striped dresses that were literally a column with arms. Yes. (laughs) Very, very basic. Um, And, yeah, I think about six months down the line, my husband was like, oh, you've actually got something really good going on here. I'm going to leave my job and (laughs) come and work with you. Um, So sales must have been great. Yeah, it was it was doing surprisingly well. Like it, it wasn't planned, it wasn't strategic in any way. It was completely organic and a complete surprise. I was learning very much on the fly and still feel that I am to this day. Um, <laughs> but there's there's a little more strategy now, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, at that point, Dave jumped on board. He was in commercial construction as a senior project manager. And, um, you know, he thought at the time that he was going to be a farmer. So I was going to be the breadwinner and he was going to work on the little half acre block plot of land that we had. We already had fruit trees. We'd already raised ducks and pigs and chickens and we were quite self-sufficient. So um, that was his plan. I was going to be the businesswoman and he was going to be the farmer house dad. And by the time his notice period was up, he'd given his employer three months notice. He, you know, had a, he was with them for about 12, 15 years and, you know, still is connected with, with that business now. Um, but by the time his notice period was up, the business had grown a, another 150% and it was like, buddy, there's no farming for you. It's boots on the ground. <laughs> So at that point, obviously he was coming in. Did you have other people that were working for you? Because you had this factory in China, you were designing it. So you were designing just the patterns and fabrics or the whole thing? Well, well, the whole thing, yeah, Yeah. because at the time it was um, myself and Dave and we had one person who'd pick and pack for us just because, you know, we we still had three young kids actually at home, like they were at preschool. Um, One was at school, two were at preschool. Um, So life was incredibly busy and we'd have one young girl who was actually our babysitter (laughs) and then became our first pick and pack person. Um, And she would, we had a a little kind of home office downstairs in our home and she would come in and pick and pack. And, um, and I think we probably did that for another three months until we had a shipment coming in and we thought we don't have anywhere to put this. (laughs) So we had to get a warehouse and that's when we kind of moved out. We got our first full-time employee and had a warehouse kind of in the area that we're still in now. Wow. So once you got the warehouse, what happened from there? Well, we filled it with stock. (laughs) Yeah, we we employed our first full-time person. There was Anna, beautiful, still friends with her to this day. She's gone off and had a couple of kids now. Um, And we we grew incredibly steadily. So, you know, it didn't take long for us to build from a team of three to a team of five to a team of 10 to now a team of 25. So, yeah. What do you attribute the growth to? Like, what Mm. do you think, like, especially in those early days, like you're saying you imported from, you know, India, making your own stuff. And was it the community? Was it the garments themselves, the trends? Like what, Mm. what made the business grow so quickly? 
Yeah, I think I think that it, I would attribute it to the community. I think that, you know, I'd started connecting with women through this blog and they were very genuine, heartfelt connections and it was a true community that doesn't exist anymore um, in the online space. At least I, I don't think it exists in Instagram. Maybe it does. My life's different now. But, um, yeah, I think it was, you know, building connections with all of these other women who wrote blogs themselves and supported my brand from day dot. I mean, Nikki Parkinson from Styling You still wears Bohemian Traders, you know, for her model and me posts and, you know, baby, baby Macbeth, you know, like. I remember those women back in the day. Yes, exactly. And, you know, they're business women in their own right. They also use their blogs as a launch pad to, you know, start other, you know, initiatives. So, I, I would say that it was the community and then obviously there's the hard work that that comes yeah. in behind that. You know, you're not just magicking up products. You, you've, there's a lot of, you know, preparation and, and work that goes into every single garment and, you know, the launching of the garments and the marketing behind, you know, how you, how you put them out there. So, yeah. Amazing. And so how did you, like from the design, because obviously you did fine art when you were at university and so how did you kind of decide what you were going to be designing and and how did that process go sort of season on season? Like how were you learning what you were going to do in that process? Uh, I started from a place of complete selfishness and I haven't deviated too far from it in that I only designed the things that I wanted to wear. And, yeah. you know, I'd gone from being a size six or a size eight at 22 to being a size 14 or 16 at you know, 26 after I'd had three kids. Actually, I was 30 by the time I'd had three kids. Who am I kidding? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the body changes a lot and the places that I was shopping didn't accommodate for my lifestyle or my new shape. And at the time, you know, eight years ago, size inclusivity wasn't a thing. It wasn't, Mm. you weren't walking into any shop and being able to buy a size 16 or, you know, we size up to a 22. It, it, it didn't exist. So I wanted to create these things for myself. You know, I wanted my striped dress, but with a little bit more length. So you couldn't, you know, see my butt when I was getting the kids out of the car. Um, you know, so it was really out of a, you know, there are products that I want that don't exist. So I, I started there and I still, you know, I, I'm i creative director of this brand. I, I oversee every every touch point and it's all stuff that I want. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, even, um, even the dress that you're wearing <laughs> at the moment, I was looking at it the other day going, mm, I think that would look great on me as well. <laughs> so I think that obviously your taste translates to a wider audience, but are you looking at like trends that are coming next season and all of those things at this, at this point in time? Yeah, we, we definitely are. So our design team is always, you know, trend forecasting and looking at colours that work. And, you know, we're, we're always trying to deconstruct those trends that we're seeing and filter them through the Bohemian Traders lens. So, you know, if lavender is the colour of the season, how, how are we doing lavender? What does lavender look like for Bohemian Traders? You know, there's been a strong cutout trend that's just run through, you know, Australia and the international market in the last 12 months. But you know, Bohemian Traders is not doing cutouts. So not everything is for us and our consumer doesn't necessarily want everything to be trend-driven. I think that there's core styles and core shapes that are genuinely timeless um, and we update through trims and fabrications. So I would love to know more about the lens. So what is the Bohemian Trader lens? Mm. And I'd also love you to talk about the brand. 
like when you started this and even now, what does the brand mean to you and how have you built it? Mm. Um, yeah, well, the brand is my fourth baby. <laughs> it really is. And I love her very yeah. much. <laughs> and she is the most time consuming of all of my children. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, we've basically, I guess, over time, gathered all of the data that is necessary to understand who our consumer is and and what she wants and when she's shopping and what her price point is and what her favourite fabrications are and, you know, in what shapes does she want them. So, you know, we we have the data that tells us those things and, and I suppose as a design team we're bringing in the soul and the spirit to the garment. Um, and then, you know, as a creative, our, our digital content creators, we're translating that into a, into a shoot location and to a campaign that then speaks to our audience that way. Yes. And as I said, you've just come back from Europe and yeah. I did see that you were doing a shoot there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks, was it like Lake Como or something? I don't know where it yeah, was, but I was yeah. like, that we looks shot, amazing. We shot in Como, yeah. Yeah. That's heaven. Incredible. One of the yeah. perks of the job for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so with the lens that you were talking about, like are you kind of like wear this and we're not that, like, is it very, it's a very distinct, um, yeah. I guess, separation of, of that for you, for you when you're making those decisions. Absolutely. Yes. I think there are things that our customer just doesn't want and we're not, we're not going to give her a bodycon dress. Maybe she's getting ready, ready for a bias cut slip. Maybe we might try that, but you know, we definitely want to translate those easy wearing essentials into something that says Bohemian Traders. So, you know, our slip dress version is a gorgeous, you know, linen slip with a shoestring strap, but it's A-line and it swings through the body rather than hugging the body um, simply because, you know, our customer is a busy woman. She's, you know, she's a career woman. She's got children. She's juggling everything. She needs things that are wash and wear friendly. She needs things she can pack in a suitcase to travel. She needs things that are multitasking just like, like she is. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. And so with the, cause you sort of said, you know, when you, you had the warehouse and then the business was growing and the marketing and sales was obviously a big part of it. Did you have a background at all in that area? Obviously working in retail, you would have the sales background a bit, but what was it like coming into your own business, looking at, I guess, marketing and sales from that perspective? Mm. I mean, I can't reiterate enough. I was and am learning as I go. So, you know, we're constantly watching and monitoring what's happening in the market. I mean, I think you have the very best education around you if you're a consumer because you know what's a good experience and, and what's an experience you wouldn't want to repeat. So I think, you know, shopping online, shopping in store, um, watching what, what's happening in the world on social media and, you know, taking what's good and taking what resonates and then filtering that back through. Yeah. And how have you seen, I guess, obviously marketing has massively changed in the last few years Mm. and you were saying you've got your team and that, like are you still involved a lot in how the brand's marketed and obviously the creative and all the rest of it? What are you seeing that's kind of changing, especially in the fashion landscape at the moment? Mm, I think there's been a massive change when I first started the brand, you know, Instagram was this small little organic platform where you followed your friends and they followed you and you'd have meaningful conversations and blogging was still a thing, you know, people publishing long format articles that 
people would sit down with a cup of tea and read. Um, I, don't, I don't think those things exist in the same way. Um, and, you know, these days Instagram's just an enormous machine in which you, you know, struggle to get cut through. Everything needs to be paid for and there needs to be strategy behind that. So, you know, and, and some of those things are just completely outside of my skill set. So we outsource to third-party agencies who really support us and bolster us. And I think marketing is one area in the business and there are many others that you know you get to a point where you're like okay I need to bring in an expert I'm you know I'm busy there's so much for me to do that I'm actually really good at and that's not everything so you know you you get the experts on board to to guide you yeah and speaking of not doing everything obviously as you mentioned Dave your husband is part of the team and joined quite a while ago how do you balance that how do you balance hubby at work and I guess really focusing on what both of you are good at. Yeah. Um that's a I mean we've got such a complementary skill set and we are genuinely good mates. So Dave and I love working together. It's been a really so positive thing for us. Yeah. Um and I can't do anything that he does. So, you know, Dave's a spreadsheets man. He's a money. He's got a project management skill set. He's organized, he's regimented. Those things come really naturally to him. Yeah. Whereas I'm a bit more like a chook with my head cut off. I'll flip from one thing to the other. And, you know, I'm constantly taking notes on scrap pieces of paper that I'll lose. Um, so I feel like there's just a natural synergy um, in that. Dave can do the hard things. I can do the soft things. And when I say hard, I mean hard skills, you know, fixed things. Um, And, you know, I bring more of the creative elements in. So, but, you know, together there is just an easiness in that, in that complementary skill set. So you didn't really need to define the roles like when he first came in, like with the balance of who did what? No, we didn't define them in a... I guess, official sense, we just have, you know, we naturally gravitate towards completely different areas of business. And, you know, there's some times when, you know, we'll tread on each other's toes and I might approve something that Dave doesn't have in his cash flow and and he might make a suggestion to the graphic design team and I'm, you know, I'm not happy about it. (laughs) Everybody in the business knows who their boss is. And that's me. No, not really. (laughs) But kind of. Yeah, 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 but actually. (laughs) So good. And so, you know, you said you've got a really big team now. Obviously, the business is at a, you know, much bigger level. And so when it comes to risk taking and really, you know, I guess carrying that, how do you manage that? Like how do you guys kind of manage the business as far as what's coming and um, I guess changing markets and the cash responsibility of, of a team that big? How do you manage all of that? Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, our business has grown massively and for us we feel like we're, we're in a really good space but we're still such a small brand. We're, you know, 25 staff across the business. We've got two boutiques which is, you know, we'd love to have more but I think we're still in the infancy of our brand story so we feel like the future is really bright and, you know, there's growth there for us. There is a lot of risk um, but I guess fortunately now that we have a little bit of background 
behind us, we have the data to help inform us and educate us. So we're not taking blind risks all the time. There is a little bit of that and that's fun and scary and sometimes you get it right and sometimes you get it wrong and it stings when you get it wrong. But, you know, there is, there's the data there to inform us and, you know, it's, it's all spreadsheeted. It's yeah. not, a, it's not a mysterious thing. Yeah, I saw, I saw, uh, I don't know, a meme or just a quote the other day, data over drama. Mm. And I was like, yes, I love that. So good. I'm yep. such a data person as well. Totally. And, you know, it just makes it simple. It takes the the personal kind of emotional elements out of it and you you do let the data make the decisions for you. It's, it's a really um, comforting feeling. I don't know that many people talk about data as comforting, but I love that. That's so good. That's well, it so will tell good. you the truth. You know, the data doesn't yeah. lie. True. <laughs> doesn't tell you what you think you want to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And how did you guys go through the pandemic? Because obviously having a manufacturer in China and shipping and all the rest of it, how did you guys cope? Um, yeah, I mean, COVID was scary for everybody in every industry. I mean, I've still got friends in education. I've got friends in, you know, social work space. It's just, it was a frightening, frightening time. And I think as an employer, rather than an employee, it was incredibly burdensome to need to make decisions that impacted, um, you know, the people who we employ. So, yeah, it was it was incredibly challenging, and there was that one little moment in between when the pandemic hit and the world stopped, and when the government stepped in and you know bolstered businesses and individuals, and that was a really that was a really stressful little second. Um, but fortunately, we were in a really great position, and um, in terms of product and and deliveries and those elements was fine we were safe we were fine we um yeah because we worked so far in advance all of our product was already on shore in-house so you know we kind of carried on business as usual with a few changes that safeguarded us against you know what we knew would be a fairly long ride with covid I love that you knew it was going to be a long ride. I was saying to girlfriend, six weeks, six weeks tops and this will be over. <laughs> so obviously you've got better foresight. Well, I yeah, I guess it's just the fear, isn't it? You're like, just give me a couple of options. Like I need some backstops here. Yeah, yeah. And sales, obviously a lot of businesses, especially retail, because everybody was shopping online, went through a huge boom. Did you find that as well? Yeah, it was, look, it was, um, you know, it was difficult having bricks and mortar closed, but there was definitely, you know, some traction in the online space. I feel like you're being really modest there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. I love it. I love it. So, so good. And so let's talk about the future. So what, what's your vision for what you want Bohemian Traders to be in the future and what kind of plans have you got? Mm. Yeah, like I said, I do feel like we're still in our infancy yeah. where we're really just getting the brand to the stage where we can bring in people who are at the top of their game and, you know, just experts in this field because I'm not an expert as I have stated. Um, so I think I know that we will remain size inclusive. Um, That's of vital importance to who we are. It's part of our brand DNA. Um, We're working, we've got our artist collab that's just launched. We're definitely doing our part um, in the ethical and environmental space 
um, which is something that we've worked really quietly on in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm always scared of brainwashing and when we do something, I want to do it with integrity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've just launched this Helen McCulloch collection, which is completely organic cotton and Smeta certified partners. So it's definitely a big step for the brand and the direction that we're going in, um, which is which is really exciting. I feel like we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg there as well. So lots of exciting, exciting partnerships for Bohemian traders moving forward. Yeah, amazing. And I remember you talking about at the huddle when it came to brand collapse or mm. artist collapse. What made you decide to go down that path? That's something that we've always wanted to do. And Helen McCulloch's one of my favourite Australian artists. And, you know, there's a few others on my hit list, but she's one of the first artists who I purchased work for, um, for our home. And I still have two pieces of hers hanging in my entryway and a few others that I need to kind of pop up on the walls when I get the drill out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think it's, it's fun. It's exciting, you know, and that's the freshness in being able to run your own business. We get to make the decisions. We get to go in the directions that excite us and, you know, coming from a fine arts background and being passionate about visual arts, it's just a really fun way to make garments. Yeah. Amazing. And so for example, like even the dress that you're wearing, if you check out the show notes, there'll be a picture. Uh, I have a link to the dress even, uh, like who designs that? Do you design Mm -hmm. that? The fabric is Helen McCulloch. So this is one oh, of so her that prints. is one of hers. Yep. Amazing. Yep. And then obviously the shape is a Bohemian Traders tried and true yeah. shape, um, which is what we've done with this collection. We've used Helen's beautiful print on our classic Bohemian Traders styles. So good. I love it. So good. And so is there anything else around like, because you ship worldwide, yes? Yes, we do. And so is there any, I guess, thought around international growth with boutiques or things like that or are you kind of just yes. kind of yeah. leaning into the online space I mean online's massive online's yeah. amazing you can touch anyone in the world through the online space um we're just about to launch our US website which will be really exciting for us yeah um, something we've been working on behind the scenes so that's definitely coming online very shortly and in terms of bricks and mortar we're definitely wanting to in a sustainable way I mean you spoke before about cash flow and I kind of didn't didn't address it too directly, but obviously cash flow is a real thing. <laughs> so, you know, in a sustainable way, we will continue to open more bricks and mortar stores. That's definitely in our plan. So good. Awesome. Is there anything else that we need to know about Bohemian Traders that you really want to tell me that I haven't asked the question on that you think <laughs> that my audience, like, you know, it could connect with as well. So I know that you sort of talked about who it's for and the type of woman. And I think that, you know, the ethical part of it is so important. Is there anything else you want to bring, bring to the brand as well? Like even around different offshoots or growth of it, or is it really just keeping it sort of capsule in what it is now and just growing that? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of both. We definitely want to stay in, you know, the women's fashion space. We're definitely working on new lines and new categories. Um, so, you know, stay tuned for, for those things. Maybe it's going to be swimwear. Maybe it'll be accessories. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're definitely working behind the scenes, you know, yeah. underwater kind of scenario to, um, you know, be keeping the brand fresh and relevant and be bringing new and exciting products to our consumer and, you know, and her best friend who hasn't shopped with us yet. Um, Love it. So, <laughs> yeah, that we're definitely staying in the women's apparel or women's fashion space, 
but moving forward with new categories. I don't think, you know, we're not going to branch out into homewares anytime soon. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds amazing. So, so good. Well, Emily, I love that. I love the story. I love where the brand is going and what you've done as well. And I just, I feel like I was, I've known about your brand for a long time. I feel like I connected with you at the huddle as well. And now I'm. You are such a star, seriously. It's so inspiring at the huddle. I was like, I need more Suze Chadwick. What a powerhouse. Thank you. But I, now I'm just like, I'm all over your Insta and I'm like, I need that. And I need that. And, And so community is so important, isn't it? And I mean, all of my listeners, a lot of my listeners, are women in business as well so Mm -hmm. I know that um, I know that this will resonate for them and we love supporting brands that resonate with us too so I'm super excited if if my listeners don't know about you yet which I doubt it but if they don't then I'm excited to introduce it's a high probability but there's something pretty powerful I think about women supporting women and that was something that I found so fresh at the huddle you know just women in business, getting behind one another, learning from one another, sharing their skills. And yeah, it's just a, it's a pretty powerful thing. It's amazing. And I love it. So I'm super excited to watch you guys in your journey and keep checking out your Insta and all of the amazing fashion and things that you're doing. So, so appreciate you being on today. Thank you. Thanks for your time. (laughs) Pleasure. I love hearing people's stories, especially when they started it up as a passion and then it just went gangbusters. So I hope you enjoyed that episode and I hope that you have an amazing holiday break as well. Well, that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.